From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you here along with our producer and co-host Elaine Harlan and our famous, infamous, and (laughs) faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Al with us here as well, Al Ramsey. Great to have all of you, uh, with us. And, uh, by the way, friends, you're, uh, you're amongst those, uh, the 200 to 250 folks a day who listen to the broadcast. And we so much appreciate, uh, you joining us throughout the year. And, uh, tonight we'll introduce our, our guest to you in, in just a couple of minutes, but we're very honored to have, uh, with us tonight some August friends, although it's January, they're August friends. And, uh, this, it was ne- the lack never of coffee. Know about, I don't uh, no know. More coffee no for more you. coffee for me. Ross anyway. says he has nothing to do with jo- that. Ross says <laughs> deniability. I don't even know the guy. Ross says <laughs> with us tonight, uh, Ben Jennings, and uh, Ben is is one of the uh, treasures uh, that we have with us here in the Stanislaus County area. A longtime warrior, prayer warrior for uh, for Christ, and uh, we'll be getting his input in just a couple of seconds. And uh, joining us again. Uh, Man that uh, joins us a couple times throughout the year, Daryl Fair. And he still comes back. (laughs) And he still comes back. And Daryl and I are waiting for the fall. Because not, and I don't mean the fall that occurred in Eden that already happened, but the the fall coming up because it will be football time again. And uh, Daryl, and and this is you know this is a prime example of the grace, mercy, and compassion of Jesus Christ at work through the body of Christ that Daryl and I can coexist together because Daryl is Mr. Go Big Blue. Uh, he is a major league fan of Michigan uh, football. And, and of course, uh, you know, I, I, I have a little passion for USC. And, and so every, every year, Daryl and I have some fun with that. And uh, anyway, we eagerly await next year. You know, when USC suspensions are over and all that kind of good stuff. But anyway, we won't go into that because we have more, uh, mundane, I mean, important things to talk about tonight. <laughs> also joining us as well is, uh, Ross Bryles, uh, pastor of, uh, a, uh, a parish of 500,000 and a congregation of 50. And, uh, we'll, we'll end We'll unpack that in a couple of minutes. And uh, joining us in a little bit uh, will also be uh, Dr. Robert Chin, who is the chairman of Advancing Vibrant Communities uh, here the, uh, uh, at the four, uh, at the helm of Lighthouse Live. And uh, D- Dr. Chin will be joining us in a little bit because he doesn't want to leave the patient he has right now in that weird nightgown and cold. You know, this that time would be a good that would not be a, yeah. Right. So he's going to attend to his patient, and yes. then he'll he'll be here a little bit good later. Thing. So great to have you with us, mm-hmm. and uh, let's get right into it with our friends from Voice of the Martyr. 
Hey, this is Toby Mack with news about another real-life Jesus freak. It is no small thing to say no to Hitler, but that is exactly what Franz Jagerstatter does. After Austria is annexed by Germany, Austrian men are expected to serve in the army of the Third Reich. Most of them do. Franz refuses, and before he is beheaded in Berlin on August 8, 1943, he writes these words. We need no rifles or pistols for our battle, but instead spiritual weapons. And the foremost among those is prayer. Hey, if Franz can stand up to the Nazi regime, maybe you can find strength through prayer to win your own spiritual battles. How do you respond to the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.com. You know, friends, it seems sometimes the, the one of the hardest things to do in, in today's rat race is, is to get folks together, get pastors together for prayer. And, and yet, go back to World War II, here is Franz Jagerstatter facing being beheaded by the Nazi regime, regime. And what's at the forefront of his mind? Prayer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Spiritual war. Isn't that amazing? So let's just kind of keep that in mind uh, as, as we launch into a, a discussion about prayer, the importance of prayer, and, and how God honors that in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, have some of our opportunities to serve. We do. And before we get to that, you know, we have a great lineup tonight. And Mm -hmm. last week we had a great couple with us, did we not, Mike? Tom and Deborah Buckles from Uh, Family Promise. That was a fantastic time. It really was. And I'm I'm sure that our our team tonight is is well-versed with Family Promise, just a wonderful organization. And they have an event coming up that Mm -hmm. we would like to share with you. Uh, On Wednesday, February 22nd, they are going to be having... Having a, a journey home pledge breakfast in case you have ever wondered what to do about the issue of homelessness as it re, in regards to uh, families. And they want to invite you to join uh, them. And this is made up of 13 local houses of worship that work in partnership with professional staff, 72% of families in the program regain their independence through their hard work, professional guidance and support, and hospitality of over 500 volunteers. Well, the Journey Home Pledge Breakfast is an annual 60-minute program designed to nourish you in body, mind, and spirit. And this year you will hear Jasmine tell of her journey home story and it's a happy ending and uh, their donors helped make possible for this single mom of three children and they would just love to invite you and if you want to make a reservation for this uh, or more information you can contact Sandra she's at 549-9454 that's 209-949-9454 uh, or you can log on to the World Wide Web Modesto uh, familypromise.com and uh, follow the Twitter feed or Facebook events uh, for that link. And that would just be a wonderful event for you to uh, take part in. You know, isn't it interesting? Did you hear the, uh, the, the announcement that the guy that he's speaking of Twitter and, and, and I'm, I can be a twit. I mean, well, no, that wasn't right. I use uh, Twitter from, from, we're not going to go there from time uh, to time. Yeah. <laughs> but did you hear that? Uh, I think it was Zuckerberg. Is that the, the that founded? Facebook is Mark. is Mark is about to go public, mm-hmm. and some astonishing amount of money 
that uh, he'll make off of that. And and I think he started it, didn't he, as, as a couple of college guys just trying to communicate with each other, and, and look what happened with that. An amazing, amazing thing. The origins of Facebook, you're right, started on the college campus, and it was to find out who was the best looking, posting pictures. Really? <clears throat> on a college oh. campus. And the IPO, at least the information I've heard, it may approach a hundred billion dollars. Isn't that amazing? Wow. <clears throat> and it all started over who was the best looking. Yeah. Well, that would, that would kind of be a fail here in this room, wouldn't it? With a couple of us. But, uh, but of course, Ben here would, would probably win, I think. Um, That's why I'm not on Facebook. Yeah, well, like they tell me, I have a face for radio, and that's why we we do radio. Uh, Anyway, you probably wanted to get on with another That's okay. We just have a couple of opportunities for our volunteers, and our friends at the American Red Cross are having a car wash fundraiser this Saturday and the following Saturday on the 11th, and it's uh, to help out a great, great cause. It's a community service project and support emergency service in the community. Volunteers, 15 and older, and I think we all qualify for that, are needed to help wash and detail cars. Uh, Monetary and blanket donations are greatly appreciated and can be dropped off when you get your car washed. Volunteers are also needed to help with Save a Life Saturday on March 10th at multiple sites throughout Stanislaus County. And for the past 30 years, American Red Cross has educated the community through annual CPR Saturday. And, of course, this year the agency will expand this effort to include disaster preparedness, and we're all about that uh, with this national pro- uh, project. And the public will get a kit, make a plan, and be informed and learn how to be prepared for themselves, their families, and their businesses through informed booths and a special children's preparedness with activities and all sorts of things. So we definitely encourage you to take part in this, and we'll give you a number in just a moment uh, so you can do that. The Center for Human Services with the Harvesting Futures, uh, a new gleaning project focusing on youth development and entrepreneurship. This invites youth ages 14 years and up and adults to help reduce the amount of wasted fruit and help increase access of fresh produce to low-income families in our area. Now, volunteers will play a vital role in the success of this pilot project, and it's a fun way to make a difference in the community. A large amount of citrus fruit in backyards falls to the ground and goes to waste, uh, while the area food banks are challenged uh, with providing fresh produce uh, for people. So beginning uh, next month, which is just around the corner the next day or so, volunteers are needed in two critical areas. One, to distribute informational flyers to citrus uh, tree owners in the college and the Loma uh, neighborhoods. And two, to glean and harvest the citrus from registered tree donors in those neighborhoods. And all volunteers uh, must attend a brief orientation prior to the harvest dates and learn safety uh, and use of harvesting equipment and gleaning etiquette. I don't know what gleaning etiquette Gleaning is, etiquette. You know, but if we read the book of Ruth, we would know what that gleaning etiquette is. Well, and, you know, the principle of this is just, you know, thousands of years old. Isn't, isn't that yeah, interesting? It really is. Gleaning it? etiquette. Yes. I wonder if Miss Manners has a I, chapter I'm on sure gleaning, she probably does. gleaning <laughs> etiquette. Yeah, I'd be interested to know about gleaning etiquette. Volunteer teams of young people uh, 
uh, are supervised by adult volunteers. You could branch out into a new could, vocation. And this is going to, I can that. see this is going to continue. I better leave that alone. Branching on and finding everywhere. Okay. So yeah, the mission of CHS is to change lives and build futures through programs that strengthen and support youth and families. What a great, great thing. That's really cool, isn't it? And Youth for Christ of Central Valley, where you can make a difference uh, in the life of an at-risk child and multiple mentoring opportunities available for adult volunteers. And they do just a great job in so many areas, as we all know around the table, and, and mentors enrich their own lives also while sharing everyday activities such as movies, homework, sports, shopping, life skills, and uh, all sorts of things. So uh, Tapestry is another great program that they do. So we just encourage you, if you have any questions on any of these uh, opportunities, to call our friend Barbara. We talked to her today, and she's just wonderful. You can reach her at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, that's 209 209- Five two four thirteen oh seven extension one one three or email Barbara. She's at bborba at uastan dot org, and she would uh, love to hear from you. You know, Doctors Medical Foundation. We want to welcome Doctor Chin uh, joining us. And I'm sorry I had the door locked. I'm glad you could get in. Yeah, lock out <laughs> the a, chairman of the board, that's Elaine. Not a good good thing. move. I know. Yeah. Thank that's you. A bad thing. Yeah, I'll be uh, getting cards and letters uh, on that one. I'll uh, be lucky to keep my job. <laughs> anyway, Doctors Medical Foundation phoned ABC today and uh, there's a patient in need of a crib. So if you have a crib, dear friends, to donate, what we're asking is that you make direct contact with Kimberly Richardson uh, and her direct line is 209-576-3724. That's 209-576-3724 and that will be great. Now on the west side of Modesto, we have a, a husband and a father. Actually, he's a widower now. Um, life just passed and, um, he has been left with five children mm. and they need a dryer. Uh, that's an electric dryer. So friends, if you have an electric dryer, we want to emphasize it's a working dryer. Please make it a working dryer. Give us a call here at ABC 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. And we will connect this dryer to this precious dad mm. and his Amen. kids who desperately need one now and and keep him in your prayers also. Amen to that. Good thing. Well, Mike, as you said before and introduced our wonderful guests, our table couldn't be graced with any finer men than tonight here on Lighthouse Live. And we just want to thank you all for making time to be with us tonight. Thank you. Again, joining us, uh, special guests, Ben Jennings, Daryl Fair, Ross Bryles, and uh, Robert Chin, uh, who is uh, the chairman of the board here at Advancing Vibrant Communities. And uh, we had the opportunity this year for most of us in the room to participate in the prayer summit uh, that, that we have once a year where we go uh, up into the mountains and um, have no agenda other than to let God lead us for uh, uh, two or three days wherever he, he chooses uh, to go. And this uh, year was our 19th. Uh, time together and, and Ross, you, you've been to every single one of those, uh, haven't you? Since the, the first one here in the Modesto area. Yes, I've been to, as you mentioned, the 19th one. This is, uh, the 19th one for me beginning 18 years ago over in the Santa Cruz mountains. Yeah. <clears throat> at Mission Springs and over the last, uh, about 14 or 14 years, I guess, it's been an old, old oak ranch up above, uh, Columbia. You know, and it's a great time because uh, mostly the cell phones don't work up there. 
and uh, that that's good for us uh, as as uh, uh, vocational minister people because people cannot get a hold of us and we're not tempted to answer the cell phone. However, I found if you do walk up on the water tank and stand on one foot <laughs> with one finger in the air, you can get reception you know, sometimes. And um, uh, and this year. Uh, Robert Chin was, was able to, to join us. Ben Jennings was there and, and Daryl has been part of our, uh, prayer time on Wednesdays for, for many, many years now. And what, what we want to talk about before we move into what God, uh, really Im- impressed us with in terms of, uh, uh, focus on fathering is prayer, the importance of prayer and, and the uniqueness, uh, really an, an unusual thing where pastors gather together in a city and, uh, and pray. And, uh, I really, you know, maybe want to start with, with Ben and, and Ben, you've been with Youth for Christ since Oh, we started was it started in 1947. Yeah. Wow. In fact, uh, we were married after one Youth for Christ. We used to have rallies, Saturday night rallies yeah. in those days. Hmm. And uh, we were married after the second one that I directed here. Is that right? Wow. So it goes back a ways. You, you've got a lot of history. Yeah. And uh, God's done some amazing things. Ben, maybe uh, let's start with you. As, as you look at your tenure with Youth for Christ, and you've been part of uh, the, uh, the, the brotherhood of, of uh, pastors here in Modesto for a long time. How have you seen God answer prayer over those many years? You know, oftentimes we, we go to him when we want something, but you are one of the people that have taught us, you know, the importance of Paul's principle of, of praying with consistency, mm-hmm. you know, just, just always re- relying on, on God and seeking his face. Just talk to us a little bit about what you've seen God do in response to prayer here in the Central Valley over the years. Well, I wish I could have started a lot sooner mm-hmm. in uh, seeing what God could do. But I suppose the biggest one was when Billy Graham was here in 1948, mm-hmm. the year before the lid blew off his ministry and launched him out in Los Angeles the next year. We rented a, a tent from uh, an, a, an evangelist in those days, set it up at La Loma and Bernie, mm. which was a vacant lot. Yeah. And it was a big crowd for us, 2,000. Wow. And uh, the agreement we had with the crusade was, you fill it the first night and we'll take it from there. So we went to work on that. A lot of prayer. And it shook the city. Mm. It really did. It was full every night. And... Uh, I think that's the vivid one that stands out in my mind from uh, the work here in the valley. I really discovered the greater dimensions of prayer later on at the uh, fall of the Berlin Wall. Mm. Mm. The um, year uh, uh, 1987, what was it? It was the 70th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. And the Christians in Russia didn't know how to prepare for celebrating an awful era like they had just mm-hmm. been through with that. And uh, they called for a 30-day uh, prayer time around the world. We went to work on that. And the first day after that 30-day period was the day that Premier Gorbachev announced the release of all religious prisoners in oh. Russia. Oh. And the walls came tumbling down from there. Mm. 
God's a mighty God and he just waits to be asked. And I've often wondered, why does he wait to be asked? Why didn't he go ahead and do it? It's because he loves us. Yes. And love won't impose itself on anybody. Mm. Waits to be wanted and waits to be asked. Mm. Amen. 1948, isn't it amazing? And I think, Ben, and I'm from Southern California originally. Spent a few years, and Daryl's shaking his head over there. Uh, <laughs> spent a few years in Sacramento before coming here to, to Modesto. And I really believe God has done and is doing something special in this area. You, yes. you look at the history of, of uh, God's shepherds meeting together in not huge numbers, but, you know, a core group meeting together to intercede for the city. And and you see alliances built. You you see relationships built that you don't always see in other other cities. We really have a lot to be thankful for and and a lot to be grateful for and not take for granted in terms of what, what God is doing here in the Central Valley, some special stuff. It really is. In fact, I've been amazed to be back here in Modesto after being away several years to see how the pastors are united in mm. prayer. Wow. It's a marvelous thing. And out of that, I see movements like Advancing Vibrant Communities, Love Modesto mm-hmm. coming out of this, uh, it, and to see Youth for Christ branching out into uh, the areas of uh, gangs and kids in trouble and uh, all of this. And, and that's just the beginning. I didn't think to prepare a list of all the things, but uh, I'll tell you, God is doing a marvelous thing in Modesto. And yet, Ross, uh, we've learned over over the past couple of years not to be boastful about that, not to take credit for what God is doing. And and I kind of think he he took us to the woodshed there a couple of years ago and said, you know, this is my signature on on all of this. And and we need to be careful to, to humbly be part of, of what God is doing and, and, and just be thankful uh, humbly for uh, for what we've seen him do over the years, don't you think? I would say amen to that, Michael, because God doesn't share his glory with anybody. Amen. And anytime we begin to take credit for something, no matter how well-meaning it is, God has a way of saying, wait a minute, I will, um, I'll just deal with this in my way. Join me in what I'm doing. But let, let the honor and glory go to me because mm-hmm. any change is not the result of our own best efforts. All right. In fact, too often I think we probably have gotten the results of our best efforts. And we certainly need more than that. Yeah. Now, Daryl, you're probably in the room. You're, you're the newest newcomer and you've been here a while. You know, I, I've been in Modesto 16 years and I'm still <laughs> considered a newbie here, you know, but you, you came from, uh, other parts of the country and, and uh, give us your impression as you arrived in, in this area about what God was doing and, and how did it affect you to be able to have that opportunity to pray with other shepherds in the city? Well, before I um, moved to Modesto, I uh, wanted to find out how the pastors got together, and I found out about the Wednesday prayer, the Wednesday noon prayer. And so I was coming to the Wednesday noon prayer, driving all the way from San Jose to attend on Wednesday, and it just has been an inspiration to me. And when I miss those prayers on Wednesday, um, I can tell. It's it's um, one of those situations where when I enter the room, your spirit gets picked up, and it seems to continue on for several days. <laughs> and when you miss that, it's like um, uh, 
try not charging your uh, phone mm. and uh, it wears out and it wears down. So it has been a tremendous blessing for me and it's been a tremendous blessing for our community. And um, we changed our uh, meeting date just uh, two weeks ago to meet on Thursday so that we could make it for prayer. And the first thing they asked me last week was, did you go to, no, two weeks ago, did you go to prayer? <laughs> See, I made it to prayer, so I've got to make it again this week. But it's also uh, a great opportunity to meet with fellow pastors and listen to some of the issues that they're having. Uh, one of the things we do at our church is we have what we call a testimony service. It allows people to get up and, and give their testimony. And that's one of the things that is so beneficial for our prayer group is that everybody gets an opportunity to share. Mm-hmm. And you're not the only one going through what it appears that, you know, God has forgotten you and, and you're the, the one that's being left out. But no, there's some other people that are going through the same thing that you're going through. And it just strengthens you. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back, uh, Ross, to when I first came to town, I showed up on Wednesdays because it was a command performance. The executive pastor at the church I was at the time, if, if you if you did not show up for Wednesday prayer at about uh, 1.15 in the afternoon on your door, and uh, you want to know why you weren't there. So I started out being there because I had to be there. And same thing with the first prayer summit until I came down off the hill and I'm a little dense, and Ross doesn't need to pursue that one. But you know, I can be a little bit dense. But it it took me, you know, probably two two and a half years before I realized, you know, I I need to be there because we got a relationship here that that's very important. It's not about me. It's not about what I need. It's that we need each other. And uh, and and so from you know, it took about two and a half years before I realized. I, I want to be here because God, you know, God is God is doing something, uh, doing something special. And and Ross, the the prayer time has uh, decades of of of, uh, of history, and it didn't started out, I think, uh, as kind of a business and a lunch thing, right? And, and then it kind of morphed into uh, the prayer summit, and and uh, from then on, it was really more of a prayer focus on Wednesdays than than a meeting, so to speak, right? Yeah, the history of the. Modesto Ministerial Association goes back long before I came here, 40, almost nine years ago. And the it had reached a place like typical, what I call typical ministerial pastoral meetings. You offer food, you get more there than if you don't offer food. But it had reached a point where it had uh, declined in attendance and finally was uh, a pastor who was a pastor to the city long before that term was ever thought of, Roy Blakely, was asked by the outgoing president of the Ministerial Association to try to see if he could breathe some new life into it. And Roy Blakely was the pastor's name, came to several of us and said, over the next nine months, if you're in the city, will you, if you're in town, will you come to the monthly meetings? And so I agreed to do that, along with a lot of other guys. And at the end of that year, the 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 baton was handed off to uh, Pastor David Seaford at Big Valley at the time. And then we began to do food at each of the nine in, uh, monthly meetings and then dismissed during the summertime. But then as we walked uh, through with the group that was leading that at the time along with David, we felt that there was a need for prayer. And we tried to establish prayer meetings around the city and they were a failure. Uh, I say a failure. There was very few people would show up. Prayer, anytime you gather together, as Ben knows, uh, it's not a failure. But 
felt like that the numbers were not there. And then it was at that point in time we thought we'd heard about International Renewal Ministries pastoral prayer summits that grew out of Multnomah and Dr. Joe Aldrich and, and Terry Dirks. We set up the time. I wasn't really, I felt like it needed to be done, but I wasn't really enamored with going away for three or four days and spending time with preachers. It just wasn't <laughs> what I thought was going to be interesting. But I felt like it needed to be done, and the rest is history. I have not missed one in the, the 18 years, the 19th one. And do I always want to go? No. Am I always glad that I went? Yes. Because it's not, you mentioned just a moment ago, it's not just about what I need. It is about what others need and what we need to do in the city and how God needs to do that. Robert Chin, uh, Robert, in, in addition to being a, a longtime physician, a family physician here in uh, the Modesto area, has also had key leadership roles uh, here in, in, in the city. He served as a chairman of the board of Big Valley Grace and and um, has uh, and in each of the men around this table has had a tremendous impact upon me. And, uh, you know, Ross over here kind of has been used by God to, to pry my head open, which is a very scary thing, and and open it up to, to new things. And what we learned from Ben, and, and by the way, at the prayer summit, and, and, and get, what happens up there stays up there. And that that's our uh, agreement with each other, so that there's absolute transparency. Anybody can say anything. You can dump stuff that you need to, and and, and it's held there. But, but I will say, and, and I think it's appropriate to indicate that, the, the pastors up there really affirmed, having heard from God, that, that Ben is really kind of the grandfather of the pastors of the city here. And, and God has anointed you, Ben, and in an incredible way. And, and we're going to have Ben pray before we leave the broadcast today, because when Ben prays, you hear God through him. I mean, there's, there, there, there's no doubt. But, you know, and, and, and Daryl, you, you have helped me understand things on the West side that I wouldn't have known before. And, and Dr. Chin has also been instrumental in, in helping me, uh, here at, at AVC th- see things that I may not normally see. And, and Robert, you bring a very unique perspective. Uh, you attended the pr- uh, summit this year as Someone who is in not vocational ministry, but in ministry, uh, through, throughout, uh, the week. What impressions did you have? What, any revelations, anything that surprised you? Any, any key things that you saw attending a, a prayer summit that might have surprised you or given you an aha moment? What, what did you take away from the prayer summit having had that experience as someone who's not in full-time vocational ministry, but in ministry in the workplace. Well, first of all, Michael, I've uh, known of the Prayer Summit for many years since its inception and have uh, spent uh, many times uh, praying while you pastors were up there mm. because, uh, to me, the Prayer Summit is a, a very unique event. Uh, it is an event in which pastors who have a heart for the Lord, who are shepherds for the Lord, have come together to ask God to reveal to them what uh, His will is for our city. And to me, that's very significant. Uh, to me as a layperson, to think that my pastor joining other pastors in the city would unite together to pursue God's heart uh, is something that uh, I would... I would uh, I would eagerly await to hear 
uh, when they come back down from the hill, how mm. the Lord has spoken to them. Mm. Uh, indeed, I've heard that over the last few years, pastors go up there with no other agenda than just to seek the Lord, uh, just to surrender themselves and submit themselves to the God, to God. And, and I, I just love that concept. Love the concept of not having to go up there with kind of a preconceived idea of what might come out of this and, and just pursue the Lord. And that was exactly how it was. Uh, we sat there in a circle. We, we spent our time praying. We, uh, spent our time seeking the Lord. We didn't spend our time trying to, uh, preach to each other. <laughs> and Which so, is a miracle in and of itself, right? <laughs> so, uh, I, I would say it was how I've heard these meetings were and it was a very, uh, fulfilling and significant time for me to be able to, to spend that time with the pastors. Amen. I want to introduce, uh, this statement, this covenant at, at this point and, and Elaine has a, a, a treat for us from Phillips, uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean coming up here in just a second. But truly, none of us went up there expecting what we came back with. Uh, I know that's not grammatically correct, but you get the idea. God really touched down and just bubbled up uh, a theme and a statement. And the theme related to the importance of fathers in God's economy and also in the economy of a culture. And the absence of fathers or the presence of abuse by fathers is significant because it has a ripple effect that's just absolutely devastating. And so God really touched down in the midst of us and, and through the leading of the Holy Spirit, he gave us this statement. And let me read it. I want you to think about it as as you listen to this. And we're going to listen to Phillips, Craig, and Dean and just a, a powerful song that they have. And then we're going to come back and, and talk about this issue of fathering. But, and by the way, Robert, I, I want to, before we move on, you... Um, you talked about the pastors and, and, and the ministers. We affirm you as a minister of the gospel. Amen. Uh, you, you name the name mm-hmm. of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a minister in the marketplace along with everybody else. We just mm-hmm. want to, pastors here affirm you as a minister. Mm-hmm. All Thank right. You. So there is no, there is no separation. Here. All right. Amen. All right. Here, here we've got a lot of amens going on that. All right. Coming back to the statement that, that we heard God give us. Here it is. Reflecting the father heart of God. We covenant together to model and to champion biblical fathering and to advocate for the fatherless within our spheres of influence. Let me read it one more time. Reflecting the father heart of God, we covenant together to model and champion biblical fathering and to advocate for the fatherless within our spheres of influence. Wow. Well, you know, we... um the group Phillips, Craig, and Dean could sing this to anybody, anywhere, and we've chosen it tonight with the song uh, so fitting for this week, and we hope that it blesses you, too, as you listen. It's called When God Ran, and we'll be back with more right after this. Commanding 
Phillips, Craig, and Dean here on Lighthouse Live. Wow, that's amazing. Well, considering the um, thrust of that song and the the nexus of of the statement that we read, it all has to do. It is based on reflecting the Father Heart of God. Men, let's talk a little bit about what it means to reflect the Father Heart of God. And uh, we invite you to jump in. I want to start, though, with uh, you know, the man who's probably been a father a lot longer than the rest of us in here, Ben Jennings. Uh, ben, what, what is God saying to you about what it means to reflect his Father Heart? What does that mean? You know, I got a glimpse of that in this new film that's out called um, Courageous. Courageous. Where these men in the firehouse, the fire crews that went out to take care of the city, um, got down and leveled with their kids, looked them in the eye and just leveled with them. Mm. What a difference. That's what God does with us. Mm. And that's what he wants us to do with him. And that takes 
being in relationship. It really does. does. Yeah. Absent a relationship, that doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, there's a big wall between us, as humanly speaking, that is, as we are born humanly, and that needs to come down. Jesus took care of that for us, if we mm. receive it as a gift, mm. and walk right into his presence. One of the toughest things I had to do, learn as a growing Christian was to look God in the face. Now, you can't see him, but... uh you can level with him. Lord, you're right here and you're looking straight at me and I'm not worthy of this. Mm. I am mm. cruddy. Forgive me. Cleanse me. And I just come to you and trust in your mercy. Mm. It works. Yeah. Amen. Ross, what about you? What, is, uh, what does that mean to reflect the Father heart of God to you? For me, this uh, song that we just listened to says it uh, at a level that I've come to deeply appreciate. And I, for years or decades, I tried to make sure that I was worthy of what God was doing Mm -hmm. or had offered to me. And I come to realize, uh, Ben used the word cruddy, uh, probably is an appropriate word. But what I've come to so deeply appreciate that the Father heart of God is really about his love Mm. for me while I was yet a sinner. Mm. He didn't wait and say, okay, get it right, Bryles. He said, Bryles, I love you, but I love you too much to leave you in your sin Mm. and to leave you unchallenged. And that's what to me is the Father heart of God. Mm. And as... As I try to be a father and a grandfather, uh, there's two words that have become kind of important to me recently, and that is how do I equip my children and my grandchildren without enabling them to continue in a wrong direction? Mm. I need to equip them, but without enabling them. And I think that's what God does for me. He provides a way in which I can come into his presence. But he does it out of his love, his great love, for God so loved the world that he gave, didn't wait, he came, he gave. There's sacrifice on both sides of that, isn't there? Yes. We we have to give up control. To, to receive the full blessing of what he has to offer, and, and yet he made such a sacrifice for us and and that's pretty sobering when you think about the dynamics of what it means to reflect the father heart of god the sacrifice that that happens on on both both sides and how how we sometimes have to let our our kids hurt you know robert how about your impressions well you know mike i i thought i knew about the love of god um and then i had uh, my own children and it was um I suddenly felt a love for my children that I didn't know I could possibly have. Uh, I love them with all my heart. Um, and they brought such great joy to me. It was such a delight to play with them, to such a delight just to stare at them. And Connie and I would just look at them for hours sometimes uh, while they were sleeping. And then to hear that... Um, God's love for us is so much 
greater measure than than a human father's love for his own child. I just thought, how great must be his love for us, uh, and 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 just my own love for my children, and 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 wanting their best, and and wanting to give myself to them, helped me to understand just in smaller measure how great God's love for us really is. And and our children, uh, and, and in terms of, of how we impart this, and Ross, you talked about equipping. I think a lot more is caught than taught, isn't it? Um, and, and I think about, um, and I was blessed to come from a couple of generations of, of believers and, and how sometimes you look at your dad or your grandpa and you say, man, I'd never do that. And I was thinking of my grandpa, you know, he, he was a pharmacist and he used to, he, he always had envelopes in his jacket pockets, you know, and when he'd make a note, he didn't take out a notepad. He'd, he'd take out an envelope and just grab an envelope that was near, and, he, and he'd write a note on it. I was going, man, I, I'll never do that. that that's kind of, I got envelopes <laughs> full of novelettes, you know, and, and it's funny how, how you just unconsciously pick up what, what you've seen. And that can work both in a, in a positive and, 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 and a negative way. Yes. But to see grandpa and, and, and to see my dad go through trials and tribulations, and keep the focus on God through that. They didn't have to preach to me. I got it. I got it. And even some of that subconscious stuff kicks in too as well. Daryl, what what do you think? What what comes to your mind there? You know, I was listening to that song and it reminded me of one that I'd heard uh, years ago. He looked beyond my faults yeah. and saw my needs. Yeah. And uh, I was called in the ministry early in life and ran like the Dickens. Yeah and avoided anything to do with church. And when I think about all the crazy things that I did, and then God would look beyond my silliness and reach this poor, wretched soul. I'm sometimes when I think about the things that I've done and God forgave me, uh, I, I'm amazed is probably the best thing to say. I'm amazed. I also look at my, my children and to think that I would sacrifice one of my two sons, our two sons for yeah. somebody I don't even know, mm-hmm. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And for God to give his son for us, yeah. that is a tremendous love that I could never match. That, that's hard to get our heads around, isn't it? I mean, I, I think of my son Joshua. I was talking to—I don't know if it came up Sunday. Or some, some, I was talking to someone about that recently. And uh, Ross, I think you and I have had discussions from time to time about Abraham offering Isaac. And uh, I think you were the one that we started to discuss the fact that Abraham argued, you know, with God over saving, you know. Ten people and, and, and started, you know, I mean, he, there was a, he started to bargain with God about how many people he was going to, and when God asked him to sacrifice his son, boom, no questions asked. I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding. Like I, if, if God came down to me and said, Michael, I want you to sacrifice your son Joshua 
for all those people that have annoyed you throughout your life. I said, what are you talking about? Do you, I would argue. <laughs> I, I would, I would go to the mat with God, you know, and, and he could give me two broken hips. I, I, it would be hard for me to do that. And, and yet, you know, he, he gave his son, uh, for us. And, and it's just kind of a mind blowing thing, isn't it, Ross? As, as, as we think about our roles as fathers and the, and the piddly little sacrifices we're asked to make sometimes. The focus for me has, in more recent years, has become trying to understand the depth of God's love. Mm -hmm. And I was always quite willing to point out people's faults. But I don't think that pointing out a person's fault draws a person to repentance. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. seeing God's love draws people to himself. And to me, um, I don't know why sometimes I've been quite willing to tell people where they're going rather than telling them about the love that God has extended to us. Amen. 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 And, and by the way, friends, uh, just want to say this. Our, our focus here is on fathering, and in no way are we saying mothers aren't important. But we've got two mothers in the room. Uh, right here, right now. But but there's a unity that that, that God had planned from the beginning, uh, a oneness of, of of the man and the woman coming together, and that that unified. In the fire service, we call that unified command. You know, uh, that that unity that that it's so important. And when you take half of that out, when you take the fathering out, you're missing. You're missing a, a, a critical element. Um, our friend Marvin Jacobo, uh, Ross, sent us uh, a, a study that was done um, recently, and, and it's a statement from uh, two gentlemen that were a part of the uh, Children's Legal Foundation out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, the, they'd done a study of, of the social consequences of the effects of fatherlessness on children. Remember, part of the statement is we're to advocate for the fatherless within our spheres of, of influence. Let me just read uh, very quickly uh, two paragraphs, and, and let's see where God takes us with that. They say that the decline of fatherhood is a major force behind many of the most disturbing problems that plague America, crime, juvenile delinquency, premature sexuality, and out-of-wedlock births to teenagers, deteriorating educational achievement, depression, substance abuse, and alienation among adolescents, and the growing number of women and children in poverty. And they write, fathers are the first and most important men in the lives of girls. They provide role models, accustoming their daughters to male-female relationships. Engaged and responsive fathers play with their daughters and guide them into challenging activities. They protect them providing them with a sense of physical and emotional security. Girls with adequate fathering are more able, as they grow older, to develop constructive heterosexual relationships based on trust and intimacy. I don't know about you, but I read that, and I'm going, man, am I, I don't know if I'm up to that. <laughs> That's a pretty tall uh, tall order. I'm wondering, Robert, in, in your uh, profession as uh, as as a physician, how have you seen these effects manifested in, in the lives maybe of, of some of the people that, that you treat, not only physically, but I know that you treat the whole person as well? 
There's no question that it's a tremendous impact on in, on, on uh, children's lives. Uh, I remember during residency when I did a rotation through a psych hospital in Camarillo, mm. we uh, saw adolescents who had gotten themselves into all kinds of trouble. And invariably, the one common factor among all these adolescents was that they came from broken homes and they lost their father, they lost their mother, and they were lost to divorce. And they were suffering emotionally from the loss of that parent, particularly the father. Uh, and it didn't matter if they were from wealthy families or if they were intelligent kids. It affected these kids the same. They were deeply impaired because of that. Mm. Daryl, Ben, Ross, any other thoughts when it comes to the effects that, that you have seen through your lives on, on children who don't have a father present and or have an abusive father? Any, any, any thoughts there? You know, I, I was preaching the other day and I, I said, God is our father and you should think of him the way you think of your father. And I noticed a number of people in my congregation frowned mm. at that statement. Here I am thinking I'm preaching a great message. Mm. And I asked a couple of them later, why did you frown when I said that? And uh, several of the responses were, one, my daddy abused me. Mm. One, two, another one said, the first time I got involved in illegal drugs was with my father. Wow. And so... um there's no question the impact that the father has on the family can go one of two ways, very, very positive or very, very damaging. Uh, I was listening to our chief of police the other day. He's making a presentation. He said most or a high percentage of the people in prison come from broken homes. Mm -hmm. So we want to start reducing crime. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to start putting fathers in the homes. Mm -hmm. And that really, and, and I think this is why God visited us at, at the prayer summit in this way, it really is up to the body of Christ yeah. to carry that banner, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and I worked in government for 25 years. I don't want government being the father of my kids. Yeah. You know, and, and amoral government just, I do, you know, the enemy just does some nasty stuff with that. Uh, but it really is up to the body of Christ to, to respond to that. And... Wow, we're bumping the clock. We certainly are. And, and, you know, we, the men here have kind of dominated and, and, uh, I, I was wondering from, from your perspective as, as a woman, as, as a mother, um, what, what is God saying to you maybe that you would like to communicate to those of us dads who are struggling with how to implement this statement? I so am grateful to each one of you and I think God spoke to you at the prayer summit in a very supernatural way. Because I think, you know, coming from my own personal um, history with my father and Daryl, I can relate to your congregants there. Because I think uh, we, we each relate to our Heavenly Father from our own history. And I'm so glad that I came to know my Heavenly Father in a personal way because I couldn't do that if I didn't understand and know him from a personal relationship. And I'm glad that I know him as the root of all fathers because he gave us life. And he is the model of fatherhood. He is our, our model. And so I just commend you. I'm glad that he spoke to you in a supernatural, magical way, but supernatural way, and that he, you are of one accord in this, this endeavor. And I'm glad that it is a lifetime 
uh, we spoke of this as a, a lifestyle, yes. an ongoing thing, not a program. Thank you. And so yes. I just commend you and thank you for that. Yeah, and, and Elaine, I think that is very important. This was not seen as a program that we're going to implement, uh, implement that has a sunset clause. Uh, this, mm-hmm. this is a lifetime commitment here. And uh, again, we are, we are, we did not come down the hill offering this as something everybody has to do. This is simply, this is what God spoke to us. This is what he told us we needed to covenant with each other regarding. And more than likely, the Spirit is going to lead each pastor, each shepherd, each participant in the uh, in the summit, and, and each congregation is going to respond differently according to the skills and giftings that God has given that particular congregation. Elaine, God's time is eternal, but ours is not, and we we could go on, and we we should go on, but we can't at at this time anyway. And and Ben Jennings, would would you just round this out? Bring us before the Lord and and round this out for us in in prayer, and and just ask God's blessing and 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 for for the Spirit's leading on how we implement this statement that He's given us. The Lord. We start by asking you to form within us that which you really called us to be and to do. And we pray for every man, every father, every future father, and every mother and wife who will be an assistant to their husbands to be a father. Help us, we pray, to reflect your heart and to covenant, to model and champion biblical fathering. We can't do it, Lord. We are failures in ourselves. But we pray that you will enable us to advocate for the fatherless within our spheres of influence in tangible ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And we want to thank all of you for joining us tonight. And thank you wherever you're listening at home. And until next time, may God continue to bless you.